Sorry to disappoint you. So what was your expectation? Nah, I'm just an everyday dude. Oh, you expected perfection? This is what Christianity is supposed to be like. I make mistakes. Like, lots of mistakes. I'm just trying to do the best that I can do. I guess I'm just imperfectly human. Welcome to another episode of the Imperfectly Human Podcast. We are your hosts, Mr. Daly and... It's Johnson. Dr. Johnson. We got there. We got there. We got there. We got there. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have some bloopers today. (laughs) Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's It is, man. It's a new year, new year, new topic. We want to shout out everyone that's listening on... Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Google Podcast, Breaker, TuneIn, wherever you may be listening, we want to shout you out. We want to shout out the people that are watching on YouTube. Uh, thank you for continually supporting the people that are helping us um, hold our position in the top 90 uh, Christian podcasts. Now we're trying to, you know, we're trying to move to the top. So keep supporting. Yeah. Tell your Tell your friends, tell your mama, tell your mama's mama, tell your yeah. mama's mama's mama, whoever you got to tell, tell. We yeah. want tell to give up. <laughs> yeah, tell yeah. your kinfolk. Tell your kinfolk. Yeah. <laughs> so, so today's topic, today's topic, we are talking about unexpected leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, and Terrence, you said you've got a little something you want to use to uh, get the yeah. people on. Yeah, so when... I thought about it, and the story came to my mind uh, when I first, first moved back home to Jackson, and uh, this was before I got involved in my ministry at a church, Right. and uh, I was just randomly in, I think like Dollar General or Fred or something like that, I was just going to get me something in there, and one of our church members had saw me like, oh hey Terrence or whatever. She was talking to uh, like one of our other church members. Like, oh he go right here. <laughs> He's like, I'm gonna give you the phone. And I was like, hey, she's like, hey Terrence. She's like, uh, we want you to be a youth leader. I was like, what? Uh, <laughs> like, like, I don't want to be over man. I just want to be in the pew. I, I just don't want to be over man. I don't want to be man. Like, no, you. You know what I'm saying? I think the kids really respond to you and all that kind of stuff. Like, we just, you know, we, we've been watching you for a while and stuff like that. We want you to excel. And I was like, I guess, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that's how the best leaders are. It's the best leaders of people that really don't want to be leaders. And the reason why I say that is because when you if it's a if it's a position or a role that you've been kind of asked to but you know you have to either question your ability to do it or you feel like oh that will cause me to have to grow in the places that I don't know I can go they're probably the best choice you can make mm. and so I think that's why a lot of people we disqualify ourselves because we so resistant to being in a position where we're now forced to grow and stretch and that being involved in the youth department was a blessing for me because it forced me to then mature on a different level. But then okay. also to then look at, well, now what I say 
is now going to be relatable to them. So I had to make sure what I say is not damaging to them. It had to be something that builds them up, encourage them, or helps them with they walk with God. But do it in a way that is not so like, this is what you're supposed to do, this is what you got to do, or whatever like that. And so, but it also built me up as far as like my confidence in myself too, because I had to stand in front of them and be confident in whatever I was telling them to do, whatever they're working on, and they had to trust me <laughs> that I knew what I was yeah. doing. So I had to prepare. And that's just like, I mean, just like with the podcast, what we're doing, it forces us to prepare differently than we would if we were just you know going to church and we were doing something else or just having conversation with the people we know we won't have to prepare like we do but because right. we're getting on and talking to other people we have to prepare ourselves because our words can relate to people or connect people to god which is our ultimate goal and so we have to make sure that we're just not getting on here and just talking just whatever we want to talk about For it right. has to be some purposeful and i think you just look back, God prepares you for your leadership positions or roles, but he has to put you in places that will make you feel uncomfortable to level you up. Interesting. Interesting. Because it's funny. <laughs> it's funny. I, did I tell you that I was a youth leader as well? Yeah, we talked about yeah. So yeah. my experience was my experience was, um, how did it happen? So I started going to this church and mm-hmm. um, I talked to the pastor about thinking, you know, that I was called to mm-hmm. to, to pastoring. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I said, I, but I didn't want it. So he said, well, let's have a conversation. And then he was the one that told me, actually, no, your, your gifting is not to be a pastor. Your gifting is to be a teacher. So mm-hmm. I was like, Ooh, oh, okay, I'll, I'll take that one. I'll take that one. I'll take, I'll take that. Um, yeah. And then um, so we started to talk about that. And then um, they asked me, um, they said, oh, but w- you know, we'd like you to to join the youth group and uh, mm-hmm. become one of the youth leaders. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh, 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 okay. Um, yeah. Now, the reason I was like that was because this was a predominantly white church. Mm-hmm. The kids that came to the youth group were predominantly white. So I felt out of place mm-hmm. and I was like how am I going to what am I going to be able to talk to these kids about that from my life and from my experiences that they would be able to relate to because they didn't look like me they didn't resemble me in my youth um why it was uncomfortable so you know what you were saying about God putting you in, mm-hmm, in a, mm-hmm, yeah, it felt very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I did grow into it because I started to realize that, hey, 
irrespective of background, these kids have the same had the same concerns that I had as um, when I was their age. Oh, I like that girl, but she, I don't know if she likes me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that boy, and all all of that stuff. All of, oh, all of it. This kids at school uh, want me to want want me to hang out and do X, Y, and Z, and they don't want it. And I was like, oh, okay, oh, okay. These kids are going through. This is all the same stuff. So it made it easier to relate to them and to take myself out of it. And then um, what I found was God allowed me to use that caring and empathetic nature that he put in me because there were kids that were coming there because it was an environment free of bullying for them. Uh So we had kids that had been picked on because of their weight or picked on because of whatever their their background, whatever it was, they, Uh some of these kids had been picked on and this was an an environment where they could just come and feel loved. Uh And that really touched me because I was able to, to speak to some kids and just say, look, it doesn't matter what anyone thinks about you. The only person that matters is one, what matters is what God thinks about you and what you think about yourself. Mm-hmm. So it was, it definitely pushed me out of my comfort zone. It definitely made me realize that, hey, maybe there is something in you because I didn't believe there was anything in me that, that God could use in that kind of way. And it was mm-hmm. like, okay, maybe there is something in you that God can use. God some, saw something in you that you could never see in yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, and, and the other thing too, so, Part of it was, like I said, for you, it was like the uncomfortability of, like, I'm one race, and now you have me lead this kind of race. Um, but for me, it was part of, like, yeah, I'm in the church, but I'm kind of not all the way in the church, and I'm still doing stuff <laughs> that I want to do. <laughs> so, like, you know, like... The weekend you be out drinking and stuff, and then you kind of coming in <laughs> 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 and, and, and like yeah, I get to church on time and all that kind of stuff. And so that's kind of where I was at the beginning too. So like I'll be up two, three, four o'clock in the morning on Saturday and get back up and try to be there for service on Sunday and stuff like that. And that's where I started. That's where I was. Uh, and then over time, it kind of you know, change, but I could understand what they were going through because I was going through something similar. I wasn't too far from their age. Yeah. And so yeah, it, it wasn't like, you know, something <laughs> like, oh, can they can they smell can they smell anything? <laughs> <laughs> but, but isn't that but isn't that God though? That that's how yeah. yeah. He takes us in, in our times where we're like, why me? Why now? Why, why now? What? Why now? Like, look at why me. Now? Look, look what I'm doing. <laughs> God, you, you, you know where I was yesterday. You know where I was yesterday. Like, God, you, you know who I was with. <laughs> That'll help so many more people because I yeah. feel like a lot of people feel like 
they got to get themselves all the way together to yeah. lead people. And I think just like you were talking, and I know we we're getting to it, you know, once we go further into the conversation, so I ain't going to talk too much about it now, but God chooses those type of people that have those kind of experiences so the people that they lead, they can understand them. And that's when you start to look at what you've experienced or what you've done in your path, that only makes you more relatable to the people that God calls you to lead. So you might think about it like, oh, I used to do this, I used to do that. Like, man, I was out here. I, you know how people say, you know, you was in the world. Like, oh, I was yeah. in the world. I was, I was out in the world. You was in, you was in these streets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but make, that make what you say to people, they know it's just like, it's yeah, not for real. What, what just came straight out the Bible. You got some life experience wrapped around that. And that's what people want to know. Yeah, uh, and it, it's the same, you know, when I was doing therapy primarily, people don't care about the plaques on the wall or degrees or whatever, they want to know whatever they're talking about that you understand, right? Viewpoint and perspective, and that you see them as a person, you're not judging them and you're not looking down on them. Yeah, if they can get that from you and they know that what you what they what you telling them is for their benefit then they more receptive to it. But if I'm if they feel like I'm talking to them and I'm above them, then they don't want that. They're not gonna connect with that. Because then I'm just not a person that's like authority figure. Like, you know, you did this wrong. You did this wrong. You need to get yourself together. Like, look, I know where you at. I ain't been there. Yeah. But this is what's gonna happen if you stay on that road. And yeah. people can respect that more versus like this is wrong and that's wrong. We need to change that and change that because we all been in these same situations. Yeah. And I think that's what's refreshing about um, both of our approaches to coaching because, Mm -hmm. you know, when we first started talking, one of the the first things we said about how we like to coach people is just, Mm -hmm. hey, I like to tell them what I've been through because... I believe that everything that I've been through in life is for me to help someone else, mm-hmm. you know, who's going through that situation. And mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, you know, sometimes I feel like um, accepting my purpose and accepting, you know, this, this journey of being someone that helps people mm-hmm. Um, connect to God and being someone that helps people walk through life and being someone that helps people through the difficulties of marriage and raising children and all of those things. I basically painted a target on my back because God is now saying, okay, but before, so that I can make you relatable to the people, you're going to have to go through some stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that, I definitely felt about leadership. Mm-hmm. Leadership is not, and this is why I think people should be careful when they, you know, aspire to be leaders yeah. because leadership is not about getting to the top and then barking orders at people. Right. Leadership is a painful process because constantly, you know, even at God, we see Christ as our leader. Christ, it says that Christ is at the right hand of the Father interceding on our behalf, meaning mm-hmm. He is in a constant position and posture of prayer for us. Mm-hmm. For us, meaning He is working. He done been to earth, 
been the sacrificial lamb, now he's in heaven, he's not even chilling, he's working to keep our butts safe. So leadership is not, it's not a cakewalk. It's an invitation of challenges, traumatic experiences, mm-hmm. um, conflict, temptation. Mm-hmm. You are opening the doors to all of these things because you've aspired to be someone that will help people through something. And that, that doesn't matter whether it's in a secular setting or in a spiritual setting. The responsibility is the same. It carries the same thing. If you are the CEO of a company, you are going to be the one that, that has to help motivate the people, motivate your workforce. You have to set the example. That's why you have um, this, uh, is it, is the undercover bosses. And they have to go yeah. back into the organization because yeah. sometimes yeah. they get so detached from their organization, they don't realize the pain that people are going through. And then when they yeah. do, they realize, actually, I've got to help these people because I've experienced where they are. I see their pain. I know what they're going through. And if I mm-hmm. help them, it helps the organization as a whole. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's that journey for me. It's That's what leadership, we paint targets on our backs and every... This, this, this isn't a seat that everyone, you know, people wouldn't aspire to this seat if they really knew what comes with it. Mm-hmm. No, nah, so, you know, Undercover Boss, like one of my favorite shows. I know, I know. <laughs> when you say that, like, hey, you talking about my show, I just watched like about six episodes straight back to back to back last week. <laughs> but, but what you said was so important is, and I like most, not, I don't, I want to say like a lot of the, the more recent seasons, but the first couple seasons, a lot of the CEOs went in saying, like, all right, I'm gonna go in to see what need to be fixed. Like, how are we doing? Who needed to do better if the employee doing what they're supposed to do? So they always looking for like, okay, how we keep the bottom line. Mm-hmm. But when they experienced the people, they was like, oh man, we not doing anything for our people. And they doing with so limited resources and we expecting them to do so much and that's the disconnect is like if you always top down you never experience what your people experience but if you have a more linear relationship with the people that you serve then you understand them because you always have a constant connection to their stories and if you don't know their story then how can you lead them yeah, you 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 dictate to people if you don't know their story, and that yeah. that, that they go to. I ain't gonna go political, but that's the situation we in. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's, that's our situation. That's why you can be so so narrow minded and focused because you don't you don't even want to know those stories. Yeah, and that's the thing because I. So I'm, I'm gonna say this, and then I'm gonna, I'm, but this fit with leadership, so it's cool. So I watched a documentary about uh, President Obama's photographer. Now he'd been a photographer for a couple other presidents too, but he was with Obama the whole time, and so he had a chance to really see behind what the day to day was, 
and he and he had a, a good snapshot of you of who Obama was, not just as a president, but as a father, as yeah. a son, you know, as a husband, and he got to see all those sides of him. Um, but when you compare, you know, that image to what we've had the past four years, you've seen somebody that's very detached from people versus a president that was very inclusive of people and with people and it was just it was one and it, it was a photo that was it was real popular when he was in office but it's still one of those lasting images of him it was like a young like four-year-old five-year-old black black boy and they him and his grandmother i think visited the over office and he was telling president obama like you know can i is your hair like my hair you know what I'm saying? He's like, that's the first time he had see, seen somebody that looks like him in that position. Yeah. And he was like, people tell me you, you know, you like me, but I just want to see. So he reached over and like President Obama leaned down and let him touch his head. And that's human. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's real human for you to be able to be the leader of the free like, world. The free world. And you will humble yourself down enough for a little kid to touch your head. Mm. And that's the humanness of leadership that I think a lot of people, they dismiss. Now, if you agree with his policies or not, that's fine. But the human connection he made with people, it was just story after story after story. Yeah, it's undeniable. It's undeniable. Like, he spent time with the people. If it it was a hurricane or a shooting or whatever, he spent time with those people and listen to them and you know uh it was a it was a story about um the school shooting that was in the uh, elementary school and they interviewed the uh the husband and the wife of one of the kids that died and the husband was like he when he saw us he came straight to us and he just hugged us and he was like my wife just cried on the show and he just allowed her to just cry as long as she needed to. Who else gonna do that? Like, what leader do you know that's gonna come into a situation that they know is real charged and it's a crisis and it's tragedy and they just be present? Yeah. And just let whatever happen, happen. Yeah. That's not, that's not a traditional sense of a leader that people think about. They want a leader to come in like, so what we're doing in our world. Yeah, apologize for what's going on. They won't be real photo state. opportunity, all of that kind of stuff, and then in there for five minutes and straight back out. Yeah, and and he was like, he just hugged my wife and just however long he was like, and it was like minutes, just letting him just cry. It just mm. that's making yourself available to the people that, that you serve, and that's what's required of you as a true leader <laughs> is. is how are you going to be when it is not a photo op? How are you going to be when there's no cameras around? What will people that you've been in leadership for, how will they speak about you and they experience it with you? And that's that's what matters the most. It really don't matter the bigger things of what you do that people can see. How do people speak about you when there's nobody else around? So you, I'll be biting my tongue because I'll be like, <laughs> <laughs> but on two occasions, 
you said um, the people that you serve. Mm-hmm. And that's the key point. You didn't, and, and it wasn't, and this is the funny thing. It mm-hmm. wasn't a slip up for you. No. It wasn't a slip up. It was because it's not people, because some people might listen and say, oh, what does he mean, the people that you serve? I think he meant the people that you lead. No. Your job as a leader is not to to lead from the front. I love the fact that you said your your organizational structure should look very linear because as a leader, you need to be amongst the people. You serve the people. You lead from the back not from mm-hmm. the front you lead mm-hmm. by example you show them how you 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 are that example how can you t- how do you lead a generation to be more compassionate and empathetic and sympathetic and whatever it is without you demonstrating that and that's what obama did when he was in leadership mm-hmm. stark contrast to mm-hmm. the way that um donald trump has been Mm-hmm. In, in, in the office because, mm-hmm. hey, there was a protest going on for people people being murdered by law enforcement that was supposed to protect them. And what did yep. you do? Because you wanted a photo opportunity. Mm-hmm. You, you got the law enforcement that was murdering these people to mm-hmm. physically and violently move them out of the way so you can go mm-hmm. and take a picture with a Bible in your hand held upside down. Right. Mm-hmm. And then go about your business. Mm-hmm. Everything that, that you went to do, you went to a burnt down church with a Bible in your hand upside down. I don't know what you were trying to, what image you were trying to send, but it <laughs> but wasn't, it wasn't it. It, it was not it. it because that was not it. the way you dealt with the people that you lead, demonstrated your character uh-huh. everything for, for, for his leadership everything it was a presidency and and forgive us guys because we're not we're not here to talk politics yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. it's just that because we're talking about leadership this is such a good yeah. example mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it was a perfect example of arrogant self-focused Mm-hmm. narcissistic leadership yep. mm-hmm. there was no heart in it for the people mm-hmm. I'm president I will pardon whoever I want to pardon and I will condemn whoever I want to condemn I don't care what the facts say I'm going to do what I want to do and I'm and it's whatever I, whatever says I say goes I am now the most powerful man in the world. And guess what? I'm going to make sure everyone in the world knows that I'm the most powerful man in the world. And you don't, you don't have to like how I'm operating, but that's how I'm going to operate. Mm-hmm. No. And, and so the thing is, there are certain people that want to be led by that type of leader too. Yeah. So that's why it's harder to establish a baseline because in certain people's eyes, that version is what they want. And then what they got in contrast with Obama was not what they wanted. So that's the things people gravitate toward the leadership that fits their values mm. and their perspectives. 
And so that's why, like, I had to learn that too about why would people vote for Trump and not what he stands for is what people value. People invest in or vote or um, kind of look up to what one can benefit them, but two, it it connects to their values. And if your values align that way, then that's what you want to support. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I know we got, you know, we we got, we got a break coming up, but before we go, I wanted to kind of, so when I was looking, um, because our our title is um, unexpected Mm -hmm. leadership. So I wanted to just break down the definitions of those terms. So unexpected, as we say, not expected, unforeseen, surprising. Those are the, the mm-hmm. definitions of that word. Le- a leader mm-hmm. is defined as um, a person or thing that leads, a guiding or directing head as of an army, movement, or political group. And I love the mm-hmm. fact that it says, uh, you know, a guiding or directing head. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a leader is supposed to set the tone. And as we, as, as we said, um, the best way to set the tone is by demonstrating it yourself, is by being that example. So um, we're going to go to a break. Um, when we come back from that, from, from the break, we're going to, um, we've got a few questions to answer because uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're going to dig into this and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, really chop it up about leadership, uh, about unexpected leaders. So uh, see you after the break. Now I feed on his word to me It's cuisine, I'm awake mate And no it ain't from caffeine I've escaped the fate of those who ain't set free Sin was routine with ways to obscene Now I'm glad to say that through Christ I'm redeemed Check your spiritual hygiene Covered in the blood that wipes sin Who you trying to make yourself clean? You can't do it without Christ It's all useless I'm trying to chew meat with toothless The good news is A way out is possible Let me break it down for you It's clear in the text He gave up his life for humanity's debt then rose on the third cause he's stronger than death Jesus Chosen, the truth was revealed to me Born a slave, now through grace I'm free Renewed within hope you can see That there's been a change in me I'm a Christian man Rare for love, serpent or dove Life's choices, causing the angels above to rejoice this The narrow road that I'm walking on Through faith we will overcome From my head to mouth, mouth. 
into paper My God-given talents converge to bless my maker This here ain't no stagnant ponder lake It's an ocean full of praises guaranteed to shake Somebody had my first time, so my flow was happy clappy Ain't hard body, but at least I ain't on road happy slapping Could be running with a crew, but nah, I'd rather be rapping Repping the Lord Jesus, do anything else, I'm slacking Is this, yeah, I'm a Christian thing for popularity Doing my bit for charity, keeping up with my family Bettering people's view of me, my image and my vanity Or hoping that a nice Christian boy will come and marry me Nah, I stay it candidly, boldly and unashamedly uh-huh. God gave his only son, sacrificed him on Calvary Snatched me from the devil's hand, from sin and death, pardon me I represent Jesus Christ, love him because he first loved Chosen, me Chosen, the truth was revealed to me Born a slave, now through grace I'm free Renewed within hope, you can see That there's been a change in me I'm a Christian man, rare for love Serpent or dove, life choices Causing the angels above to rejoice this The narrow road that I'm walking on Through faith you will overcome Spitting about the king who's been missing Sitting at the right hand of the yeah. father I've been washing the blood clean yeah. up And now I'm on the path that is narrow Some mans may watch face But his eyes on the sparrow Listen, Listen I was man. lost, confused My head was really messed up Though deep into his word eased up Then I got blessed up I've got to fess up Seen life ain't worth living Let you spiritually breathing Giving meaning to the feeling To be spiritually feeling My dudes are still weaning I'm on solid now By grace I've been saved Better drop and bow Pick up your cross ups Get jump run Come follow him, he is life's soul Death could only borrow him yeah. He is the way to God, no one else but him oh. He is Jesus Christ, that's why I follow him, him. <laughs> Chosen, the truth was revealed to me Born a slave, now through grace I'm free Renewed within hope, you can see That there's been a change in me I'm a Christian man, rap for love Serpent or dove, life choices Causing the angels above to rejoice this The narrow road that I'm walking on Through faith we will overcome Welcome back to the Imperfectly Human podcast So, uh, just before we went on to the break, we were talking to you about what leadership means, our experiences of being called to leadership, um, the contrasting examples of leadership that we've had in in the US over the last Mm -hmm. four years and uh, compared to uh, the previous two terms served by Mm -hmm. President Obama. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I've got um, one of the questions that I've got on this was um, do we disqualify ourselves from leadership because we assess the requirements from a, from the wrong perspective. So Mm -hmm. take that example of what you said. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes we look at, we look at um, the examples of leadership that we've got and we think, Hey, I want to be like that guy. I want to be like this guy rather than, Mm -hmm. And we're we're looking at we're looking at at, at at the facade and not the real um requirements of the seat, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what I would say is it all depends. Well, we do we do disqualify ourselves from leadership, but the reason why we do it can be different. So one can be that we feel like our limitations will be a barrier to where we want to go uh, or what type of leadership role that we will, we will, I won't say attracted to, but it's kind of like what we're led to. Um, the other thing is 
we disqualify ourselves because of what we've done in our past. I'm glad you said that. I'm glad <laughs> you said that because, so my example was, um, I was reading Exodus 2 and I was reading about Moses. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I thought, let me let me get a feel because hey, when we think of, of biblical leaders, Moses is uh-huh. one of the one of the biggest examples that comes to mind. Because yeah. he led the Israelites out of Egypt, out of enslavement. Uh-huh. And you know, yeah, he took him around in a circle for 40 years, but but we'll get to that part. <laughs> but, um, uh-huh. yeah. but Moses, you know, when you think about Moses, one of the things that struck me it says that. Moses was born to the tribe of Levi. So he was a Levite. And the Levites were the tribe that tended to serve as the high priest or political seats of office. So mm-hmm. he was already born into, it was like he was born into a role. Mm-hmm. But then he was born at a time where Pharaoh was going around killing all the Israelite boys. So Moses for his mom put him in this basket. We all know the story. The princess found him. So for some reason, his circumstances meant that Moses was saved when he should have been, when he should have died right Mm -hmm. at the beginning, but saving him put him out of sorts. And what I mean by that is that he was an Israelite living as an Egyptian. So I Mm -hmm. highlighted a few points about Moses He didn't fit in with the Egyptians or the Israelites. He was a murderer. And that was what I was coming to about his background. So he was a murderer. Mm -hmm. He -hmm. was an outcast and a fugitive because he was on the run because Pharaoh was going to kill him for killing an Egyptian. Mm -hmm. Um, But he was also a defender of the weak and the oppressed because when he got to, um, when he got to, I can't remember where he's, uh, is it? Uh, I can't remember the area, but yeah. when he got to the well and he saw the the the, the Jethro's daughters getting the water and the shepherds mm-hmm. came, he jumped mm-hmm. to their defense immediately. When he killed the Egyptian, he was doing it in defense of an Israelite brother. So he was a defender of the people. Um, mm-hmm. He was a servant because he served his father-in-law for forty years. Mm-hmm didn't ask for a thing. He just served and worked as a shepherd, even though he had been royalty. And then um, he lacked confidence and he was a self doubter. And we saw these examples when God find, when God called him in Exodus two. Um, so that's what made me think, well, do we disqualify ourselves because we look at our, ourselves a particular way? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm trying to see if I made this point now. Hold it for me. <laughs> but but so what you said, well, this is what I was thinking about when you were talking. Isn't it ironic that the people that God used the most uh had to that always felt displaced? had to deal with being misunderstood for how they then went toward what God called them to. Mm. Because God, so just how you laid out with Moses, he was born into a certain tribe. Then he was adopted into another <laughs> another another whole race of people. Yeah. And then had to go out of that and go back to his 
original people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so it's like when God calls you or raised you up as a leader, it's not going to be in the traditional sense. So what God calls you to is going to disrupt something that God wants to change. Right. And most of us want to be leaders to maintain the status quo. And that's not what God calls us to do. Like I said, you look at Jesus, Jesus went against everything that everybody was used to doing. Right, right, for real. So when God raised you up, it's not to raise you up to just be comfortable, like, oh, let's everybody be in harmony. He wants you to do some stuff. You got to shake some stuff up. Yeah. That's what he's calling you to do, but he equipped you for that. And just like you were saying, too, the people that God really used for leadership, they have a long period of time being forgotten or not even noticed. And you got you got your <laughs> redeeming, you got your delivery, all these different things yeah. amongst you, and you don't even know that people overlook them and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, and, and a lot of the the, the preachers, uh, pastors that I, I listen to that preach, they. A lot of them have those type of stories too, where they, you know, they came up under a pastor and then that pastor didn't let a preach or didn't give them opportunity or they had a, a long period of time where nothing happened. And it's like they wanted to, they wanted to preach, they wanted to share their gift, and something hindered their gift yeah. or suppressed it for so long. And it's building that that stamina of like LA endurance of. I called you to it, but you got to have a period of humbleness or not being seen. Because when I raise you up, I need you to be balanced. I don't need you to be distracted when all this stuff starts coming to you. And you go, ooh, this me. Like, Mm-mm. I kept you down this long. So when you elevate, you like, I, I know who gave me this. I, I'm not going to act the fool right. with this. I'm, I'm a treasure this because I know where I just came from. I don't I don't want to I don't want to go back there, but I don't want it to be like I did this. And I think that's what great leaders they have that. Because I, you know, I was listening to TDJ, he talked about that. I know Keon talked about that. He actually had a pastor that would put him in place to replace him and then reneged on that and then kicked him out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the story. I remember the story. So, so it's like all these different things. Like, Lord, you called me to this, and this was, and then yeah. who was supposed to be following? He's like, but honor, and that's what. So that's one thing that, and I know it's not in the question, but I'm gonna say this, and then we we can move to the next one. But the honor of your leader will make you be a good leader. If you don't know how to honor the people that you're under, you won't be honorable when you get raised up. Right. I hear and that. That's that's the key. <laughs> no, I hear that. I hear that. It's true because a lot of people are quick to talk bad about their leaders, mm-hmm. their bosses, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. if you don't know how to honor someone, even when they don't deserve honor. Right. Then it it impacts your ability to lead right. with honor and mm-hmm. with grace. Mm-hmm. Um and that is and I think that is a trait that we all have to work on in ourselves because 
the thing is, our our nature is that our pride reacts. Mm-hmm. Oh, who does he think he is? And it should be, no, no, no. Let me suppress that. Let me honor this man, even though he is being whatever. God put him, yep. God put him here, so I will honor him. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, you know, I, I, I was going to come to it later, but that's what Saul, that's what David did to Saul. Mm-hmm. He did not touch the Lord's anointed because he knew God put Saul as king. He installed him as king. And even when God had taken the anointing away from Saul and put it on David, David said, until the Lord chooses to take Saul, he cannot take Saul's life. He, mm-hmm. It's not for him to take Saul's life. It is for God to remove Saul however he chooses. He mm-hmm. cannot, you know, he can't outstep his position. But then quickly bringing it back to Moses, I felt, you know, if we don't deal with our insecurities and how we disqualify ourselves, we potentially mm-hmm. as leaders end up in the same position that Moses did, which is mm-hmm. not truly fulfilling his purpose because he couldn't deal with his own insecurities and his mm-hmm. own reservations about what God had called him to be and what God called him to do. Um, Mm -hmm. we potentially block our potential as leaders when we don't deal with our own disqualification of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that that goes right into the language that we speak towards ourselves. Yeah. So we always try and watch what we say to other people, just like you were saying too, like the people that treat us wrong or do something that we don't enjoy, we try and honor them. But how do we honor ourselves? Because we don't honor ourselves. We talk to ourselves any kind of way. <laughs> and if we if we really like if we can hear back what we say in our head about ourselves, it's like, man, I'm man. Like yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare say this to somebody else. Yeah. But we saying that internally all day long. Yeah. And like you said, that's what blocks us because of that internal dialogue that we have about ourselves to ourselves. Yeah. Okay. So question number two. Right. Do some of us like the authority of the seat, but dislike the responsibility of the seat? Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know we, we don't talked about all of this in the introduction because yeah, yeah, I, yeah. there's someone doing that. There's someone that was doing that for the last four years. Yeah, yeah. So the first part of that question is people like the power yeah. of leadership, um, but what they don't like is the crisis or the I think we talk about responsibility but it, it's even more pieces to it of that it's the no okay I'll say it like this what people like about leadership is they like the power what they don't like is the accountability right and that's the other piece of it you can't have leadership without accountability because if you're the head of something all the questions are all the major concerns are coming to you. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to come come with an answer. So I and, and I was I, this came to mind earlier, but I'll this is a perfect example of that. 
So I was, uh, you know, I've been over the scholarship fund that I created in my grandfather's name for ooh, about seven years or something. So we do an annual uh, like banquet for the kids and yeah. give away scholarship money and whatever like that. So this year, not this year, but one of the years, uh, it kind of came down the line that we might be able to get like an NFL player. So like I said, I'm a Saints fan. And if people that don't know, like Deuce McAllister, he used to be a running back for the Saints. And so it kind of came across to where we could probably get him. I had talked to Deuce and all that kind of stuff. And the other side had talked to him or whatever. And so we were kind of promoting it like he was going to be there. And I was pretty, you know, yeah, uh, confident that it was going to come together. And it didn't. And it wasn't in any control of mine. Like, it wasn't my fault that he wasn't coming. But as the leader, I had to step in and take the accountability. Yeah, take the heat. Yeah. And when I tell you, I literally was was sick about it because I was like, man, I always try and present some of the people that will make them, you know, feel good or the honor them and stuff. And I'm like, man, I feel like I failed, even though it wasn't. It was out of my hands the reason why I did Yeah. Happen. And like I'll never forget it. Like I got up in church and and said, because people were like, you know, uh, is he coming? Because we were gonna do tickets and stuff to it and all that kind of stuff. And I literally felt like I was gonna pass <laughs> out. I was like, oh, I got tell these people that he ain't coming. And I was like, I'm sick about it. And so I got up and I was like, you know, do for do the unforeseen you know, um, circumstances, you know, he's not coming or whatever. And, and they was, and one I deacon, he's, he's, he pays now, but uh, he got me say, he's like, you know what? Like, we don't need no, no, uh, no NFL player. We got our superstar. Like, that's that, he out, he out, he out MVP. You know, they got stuff. And when I tell you that, it, it did something for me that day because I was so low because I was like, Oh, I failed everything, a failure. And when he said that to me, it was like, it kind of just, you know, I did my part. I was accountable for it, even though, and so it wasn't as bad as I thought. But I had to step into it to do that because I wouldn't have been right if I wouldn't have, you know, sometimes you had to fall on the sword. Yeah. <laughs> and I fell on it for, for that. But, I learned so much from that that because I was upfront about what was going on, people were like, oh, okay, cool, we still coming. Like, you know, they ain't saying nothing else about it, but I was thinking about it in a totally different way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I see. I think um one of the things that I learned, and and this is, and again, it goes back to a point that you made. Um because and it was highlighted in, in that story that you just told, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the, um, the deacon that came, he honored you mm-hmm. and he was like, mm-hmm. you know, no matter what, you know, Dr. Johnson is our MVP. Mm-hmm. He, he honored you and in, 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 at a time yeah. where you felt love. Yeah, and yeah, um, yeah. one of the things that I learned um, in my professional career, because one of the things I, I didn't want to do, I'd always said it from the beginning, was 
I didn't want any direct reports. Mm-hmm. Anytime someone said, oh, yeah, so we're going to make so-and-so report to you, I was like, mm-mm, mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Nah. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, until the point that I couldn't avoid it. Yep. And then I had this team of people and um, it was because my role is was still is very um, senior facing and we work on multi-million pound, multi, yeah, multi-million pound projects. Sometimes when things are not going right, um, it seems like, so when in my world of business analysis, we are the ones that go out there and we talk to the potential people that the solution is being built for to understand what their needs are. Now, if the solution that is being built doesn't meet the business need, the immediate reaction is that, hey, the business analysts must have got the, must have misunderstood what the business wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's never down to whoever is building the solution or or whatever. It's the, the, the business analysts always have to take the blame. That's how it mm-hmm. always ends up. We are always the scapegoats. Mm-hmm. So I had this team of I think about six or seven analysts and all sorts was being said. And um, it was the first time where I was, it was, I had to step up and say, hey, 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 wait a minute. I'm not going to let you talk about my team in that Mm -hmm. way because these guys, no one was here when these guys were in at eight o'clock, seven o'clock in the morning and leaving at, nine o'clock at night mm-hmm. no one was here when we were skipping lunch breaks to get things done no one was here when we were pulling crazy shifts just to try and deliver when we were going back and forth and negotiating with difficult people that didn't want to hear a word of what we were saying no one was here these guys have worked their hardest to get this out And if you want to blame anyone, then blame me because I'm, I'm responsible for them. So if you want to blame anyone, blame me. And, um, and my team came out behind me and said, no, 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 no. We're we're not going to let you take the, take, you know, Mm -hmm. we're happy that you want to, you want to fall on the sword for us. But if we're going to take, if we're going to go down, we go down together. Mm -hmm. And that was, you know, for me, it was a similar example to, to yours. And that's where mm-hmm. I learned that, hey, being a leader is not about, you know, it's not about send these guys out. You know, you've got some leaders that be like, you guys go out and fight the war. If you get killed, we'll send the flowers to your family. It felt more like, hey, if someone is going to go down first, I'll go down before I let you guys go down. Mm-hmm. And when I said that, they were like, no, if we're going to go down, we go down together. Uh And to me, that's when I realized the responsibility. That is when I realized the responsibility of leadership. Uh Because I wasn't willing to let them take the fall for something when they had worked so hard. Uh And when leaders start to realize that, when leaders start to, you know, the authority of the seat, it means nothing 
as you said, without the accountability or the responsibility mm-hmm. that comes with mm-hmm. it. If you mm-hmm. can't handle being accountable for something when it is horrid, when it is absolutely horrible, mm-hmm. then you don't deserve the authority that comes with the seat. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going to say this one thing about what you were saying, and I wrote it down. And it's a key point. So I think definitely people that's thinking about being in leadership is something, it's a concept that you just laid out that is number one that they need to get. So what you did when you did that for your team is you praised them in public. And the people that you serve in, you need, they need to hear you praise them in public. Now, if it was an issue that you needed to correct, you need to correct in private. You need to bring them to your office, you need to whatever, have that one-on-one dialogue, but don't try and do it in front of other people because then that breaks that trust. Now, you can correct people, they don't mind being corrected, but they don't want that to be out in the forefront. Yeah. And like I said, because I've been corrected. <laughs> oh, me too. Me too. All in front of folks. Me too. All out of order too. And that breaks that trust is like, well, why should I really, you know, if you treat your people right, like they like the saying goes, like they'll run through a brick wall for you. Like literally yeah. people will will do for you what you need them to do if they feel valued. Yeah. And that breaks that value when you do that in public with people. Yeah. It's like you don't value me enough to bring me to the side and say what you want to say. Yeah. So yeah, I do. Yeah, no, I feel that. Um, and just you know, just for reference, the two scriptures. There were two scriptures that jumped out to me when I was thinking about that question. And mm-hmm. um, one was Romans twelve eight, which was um, if your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. And um, all of those points there are about accountability for your gift. So mm-hmm. that, that really resonated. And then there was another one is Ecclesiastes 10, 17. And it was, um, and this one kind of came to me, kind of was more in a roundabout way, but it was happy is the land whose king is a noble leader and whose leaders fe- feast um, at the proper time to gain strength for their work, not to get drunk. And it mm-hmm. made me think about, it was what made me think about, hey, there are some people that like the authority, so they just want to sit at the top and they just want to feast and get drunk and be like, hey, I'm the leader, I'm the boss. And there yep. are some people that, no, actually, I'm here to do a job and I'm going to strengthen myself to do the work that is required of me. So mm-hmm. that was kind of what prompted that question. Um, mm-hmm. So. You posed, well, you posed the yeah. last question, so I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you ask the last question. All right. Okay, so the last question is, what does it mean to eat last as a leader? So when you posed this question, mm-hmm. I really had to think about it for a while. Mm-hmm. Because, and and I'll, I'll say it this way. Okay. In my house, I consider myself and I believe my wife and my children consider me to be the leader of the house. Mm -hmm. So 
when it comes to dinner time, mm-hmm. my wife wants to give me the biggest portion. Mm-hmm. She wants to give me, she wants to make sure that my plate is set up and everything, you know, before hers and everything. Um, whereas my attitude, um, and, and I'll actually, I, I'll say this because although I may be the, the figurehead of the family, um, we lead together because as the Bible says, she is my help me. So it's not mm-hmm. that I am above her. We are together and, and, but I'm the mouthpiece. So mm-hmm. I guess this, she, she reflects how I also behave and we behave in a similar manner, but our attitude towards at dinner time is, well, you make sure that everybody else has got, mm-hmm. and I'll have whatever is left. Mm-hmm. And that, for me, that is what leadership is about. Like, let me take care of you guys, and I will make do with whatever is is left. Because as long as you guys are strengthened and capable to do what you need to do, I'm confident that we can get to where we need to get to. You know, it's whereas we've got other leaders that are like, hey, well, I'm the boss. I, I should get the cream of the crop. I should be first. Why, why has he got a bigger plate than me? Um, I don't believe that. You know, I believe, as, I, as we've said, the role of a leader is a servant. Um, how can you serve others when you always want the best? You always want the first fruits. And the first fruits don't even belong to you. The first fruits belong to God. Right. So how are you always trying to take what doesn't belong to you? And then you starve the people. Everything about how christ led um you know he said when you take take care of the sick take care of the hungry take care of the poor they them you will always have with you mm-hmm. um you know and someone might point out and say well when uh, when um when uh, mary madeline madeline came and and she broke the the jar of alabaster oil and she she poured it on and and mm. yeah there was that was significant that was symbolic she was, she was, there was, um, she may not have known it, but she was preparing him for burial. Uh-huh. It was symbolic. He was about to go to, to, to be crucified at that point. Um, so it's not like he was taking, it, it's not like he was getting special treatment. Uh-huh. It was as though she was preparing a corpse for burial as they do it, it, as is tradition in that time, they put perfumes on the corpse and then they wrap it up and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, what she did at that point was symbolic. No one else saw it. But when you read back and when you look through, that was a symbolic moment of preparing Christ for what he was about to do. So, um, but when you look at Christ, Christ was never, he, you know, it was never about him. When he broke bread and when he broke the loaves, he gave and he said, feed the people. It didn't say, okay, I'm I'm, going to multiply this, but let me take my portion first. He went straight to feeding the people. 
Mm-hmm. Everything he did, when he turned the water into the wine, he turned the water into the wine for the people. Everything was about feeding and serving those around him before anything, before he didn't even take any recognition for himself. He was just a willing vessel to be used because he knew that if people saw the works that he did in the name of his father, then they would be connected to his father. Nah, you... You 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 answered the question. You, 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 you answered the question. You definitely answered it. But what I wanted to focus on, what you said, and what this is what came to me is like when when you're able to put yourself in the foreground, you won't have to worry about eating. But if you put yourself in the forefront, yeah, that's when you always have to worry about how you're gonna eat. Mm. And and I think a lot of people don't understand that it's your it's not saying that you're trying to deprive yourself or you're not worthy to eat is that you want to give the people that you serve nourishment first. You're not the priority. Because, because they're going to make sure, just like you said, like your wife, she's going to make sure you eat. You want to make sure everybody else is fed, but she's going to make sure you fed. But that's because of how you honor. You see that? You see how yeah. that? How yeah. that it's, yeah. it's the honor. And so the reason why I, I posed that question, and I think it's a book that's called that too. But um, for me, I had it in a real time example. So at church, we used to do uh, breakfast every every Sunday. And so I would teach Sunday school, but then I was in the finance room too uh, because I was a deacon. So I literally get through teaching my class, had to go in the finance room, count the money, and do all that kind of stuff. So I was last. And so I would come to the fellowship hall and I asked him, I'm like, hey, did everybody else eat? They're like, yeah. And he goes, we set your plate aside or whatever. So I was the last one that ate. And they knew I was the last one. So I didn't have to worry about my food, but I wanted to make sure everybody, all the kids, because a lot of the kids, you know, they might not have had breakfast. Right. Or their parents might not have been able to give them breakfast. So breakfast to them was way more important than breakfast for me. So as long as they could eat, then I knew I was still going to have food, but I wasn't going to eat until they were fed. It's the same thing for like, we used to do prayer breakfast and stuff. Like all the men would get together, like the deacons and stuff on Saturdays. And I would always try and be toward the back because we had a lot of ideas. They were old in age or whatever. And I wanted to honor that. So I could I could be back to the back. And so for me, I always tried to position myself where I was I was good. Like I said, I knew I was gonna eat, but it's the honor of the people in front. Yeah. And making sure that they covered and I mean, the same thing for the banquets, uh, the banquets, like I would work through the whole thing. I probably wouldn't even get to see most of the stuff that would go on like every year. And people would have to set my plate aside because it would literally be me eating toward the end of the event for the most part. And they and people were like, did you eat? Hold up. Let me fix you. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. Sit down. Eat. Because I like everybody. They're like, look, everybody else good. 
you sit down and eat. You you eat. <laughs> you, you eat. And so it's a principle that I've stuck with, even in the in the business too. Is I, I try to make sure that in, I probably like everybody cover, and not just like cover financially, but you know spiritually, emotionally. Like I, I'm always trying to check in with everybody. Like how you doing? Like what's going on? <laughs> what we need to because you had to communicate those things. Because if it's just like, oh, we all together and you got to get in where you fit in and you're supposed to do what I'm saying, yeah. that, that's missing the point. So sometimes you have to be in the foreground in order for your people to get what they need. And sometimes, so they even too may be giving them the responsibility to do things without your input. So you might have to distance yourself a little bit too so they can gain what they need to gain. Yeah, that they wouldn't gain if you were too far close to them. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, that last question of yours was uh, <laughs> ah, you you set us up, you set us up for the for the for the final segment. So we're gonna take another break. <laughs> <laughs> we come back uh, and we'll talk about the application of this and um, you know how how we step into our leadership positions as unexpected leaders because believe me I didn't expect to be in any kind of position in leadership and I know Terrence didn't as well so um, yeah we'll see you after the break <laughs> yeah this is my worship Lord you're worthy of the praise Alpha and Omega beginning and the end I dedicate this one to you yeah Lord, I long for your ways Keep me renewed, I want to live by your ways Know the path to fulfill what I long for To be a man after your heart or else I'm done for What do I want for? How could I want more? I run to Paris if it's the boy that I was born for I look around and see the works of your hands You stretch the heavens when the sky form land did it in six and on the seventh day you rested Said it was good on each day and then you blessed it You're so majestic, your love's perfected Mercy is new, Lord, to you be all the blessings You took a sinner, washed me clean in your waters Down with my sin and raised me up with my father Now I'm a father, understand how you loved us Sacrifice your son just so you can restore us You brought us back from the grave, the price that was paid So we can live victorious, no longer as slaves I tell you, Lord, I'm amazed. Praise be to you for the way that you save. And it's amazing how you bless us. Call us your own, set us apart and protect us. No one rejects us, Lord, you elect us. I stand in you, born anew, now corrected. It ain't a problem if the world don't love me. I'm not depressed if the girls call me ugly. Cause Lord, you bless me with a wife who is lovely. Pretty as the stars, you're in her heart and she loves me. We're raising children that are godly. Teach them your word and your love and your mercy. And that's the essence of my life I'm not defined by the rhymes or the mic My first appointment is as husband and father Setting an example for my two young daughters I'll be a martyr for your word if I have to Running out the road cause I'm called to be a pastor And you're my master Lord I'm your servant Here I am Lord I show them how to give you worship No longer running from my purpose Ten years before I was sure I was worthless but then your word says, and Lord, I love this. The meat shall gain your kingdom, it's your promise. You're not a man, your words are not return void. That's why I worship and I bring a joyful noise. 
we get it twisted thinking you really need us But you can raise stones up to worship if it's needed So Lord believe this, I really need this I rock a shirt saying I promote Jesus I won't forget when you bless me with riches I won't deny when this new world switches I'll be like Job in the midst of all these sickness Praising the Lord who gives and takes as he wishes Praise me to you Father, Son and Spirit You're the reason, the reason why I'm spitting Yeah Lord, you're worthy of the praise, you're worthy of all the honor, you're worthy of all the glory. I worship you. Adonai, the risen Savior. Jehovah Nisi, my banner. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Lord, I worship you. Worthy is your name, holy is your name. You're the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Who else is like you? There is no one. There is no one. Jehovah Rofi, my trophy. Jehovah Rofi. <laughs> Lord, I bless you. Welcome back to the Imperfectly Human podcast. Um, we're going to cover with you right now the applications of. Um, leadership or you know setting yourself up as you know for that responsibility of being a leader when it's ex- unexpected because um if you are truly walking in your purpose some of us you'll be in a position where you did not expect to be and you'll be leading people that you didn't expect to be leading so how do you deal with it mm-hmm. how do you handle it how do you thrive in it um so mm-hmm. we've got some questions that you can ask mm-hmm. yourself um mm-hmm. so uh, first one, what leadership qualities do you possess? So how, how do they go about assessing that? All right. So what I would say is what things leadership has a lot to do with what you're passionate about. And the best leaders kind of lead from what they are at the core. And, and so I think for a lot of people, don't think about things that you have got it have gotten like applauded for or something like that. But what are the things that align with your values that you can bring to people? So most people that are, you know, real nice and warm people, they are natural encouragers, but they might not they might not believe that that's a strength. Um, they might, this is my personality, but that's a strength to be able to talk to people and encourage them to give them something or a boost to go forward on a day or to give them a kind word. Or even if you're a person where you are, um, you, you kind of help structure stuff. So you might be the person that help get things done. You might not think that's a strength. You might just say like, I just, I don't have time to be going back and forth with people. I just need you to do what you need to do. But that's a strength, though, if you understand it that way. And, and so I would say, like, for myself, like, one of my biggest strengths is my creativity. That's always been at the core of everything that I do, like, whether it's teaching and counseling or business or whatever, I'm always trying to find what's the what's another way or a more innovative way or more 
time efficient way <laughs> to do so. Yeah. Uh, and that allows me to do that. Uh, but if I try to compare myself to somebody else, I might diminish that because how other people use that in leadership might be different than I use it. And so then when you compare yourself, then you start to diminish what's unique about you. And so your strengths are what's unique about you, but it's the things that will draw people towards you. And when you're doing that, that's how you receive uh, the blessings that you're looking for because, you know, what you have is attracting what they need. Right. Do you know what? I completely agree. Um, so I worked in the, in the banking sector. And when you come across bankers, um, usually they are these crazy people, the uh, super motivated, highly hyperactive go-getters, always mm-hmm. on the go. Um, that's how they're perceived. Now, mm-hmm. I would say when I'm when I'm ready, I, I am quite energetic and stuff, but mm-hmm. I didn't typically I didn't really fit that mold, especially mm-hmm. when you I looked at the sort of people that were team leaders and and all of that management, I didn't really fit that mold. So for me, when I stepped, when I became a leader, my natural or my go-to, as you said, was my what I considered just my personality trait. Mm-hmm. Um, I cared about how my team were doing. Mm-hmm. My focus was always about, hey, how are you, what's going on with you? Mm-hmm. How is life with you? Mm-hmm. What's on your mind? How are you feeling? Mm-hmm. And really, I I dug into getting to know each member of my team personally. Mm-hmm. Not surface level. Not It wasn't about, um, oh, these are your deliverables and this is what I need you to hit. Before I even talked to them about work, I needed to know who they were and how what was going on in their lives and what they loved, what they didn't like, you know, what their hobbies were. And I built a rapport and a relationship with them so that when they didn't fit that personality that they had shown Mm -hmm. to me, I could immediately connect that, Hey, something is wrong with so-and-so. How Mm -hmm. do we fix let, let me get some quality time with them so we can talk and figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. And the trust that my team then had in me was completely different to how they reacted and responded to everyone else. Mm-hmm. Because my everyone in my team felt, we felt more like family than we felt colleagues. Right. So... Yeah. I realized that that was my approach to leadership. I realized Mm -hmm. that that was my strength in leadership. Um, And like you said, when you assess who you are and what God has put in you, you realize the characteristics he has given you to help you Mm -hmm. lead. And Mm -hmm. our downfall is that we always look at other people and try to emulate what they've done. 
And yep. you can't emulate someone else's approach to leadership because that's you are not that person. And that's the mm-hmm. beauty about um, how God has created us all as individuals. He's given to, and the Bible says it to each of you, he has given unique gifts. So yep. you have to walk in your unique gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I'm gonna say this. I know we probably ain't gonna have time to hit it like this, but another way you can apply. Oh, you, you got time? You got four minutes. <laughs> okay, all right, all right, we good then. All right. So this is what I was thinking about too, and this is a way that people can apply it. So not only do you start to assess like what you think your strengths are, then ask people that you really trust, that you really close to, and ask them what what they think your strengths are because you might be missing some. So I think it'd be cool for us to ask each other, like, what what strength that we see in each other? Ooh, okay, okay, let me go first. Um, <laughs> so if I was to talk about the strengths that I see in you. Yeah. Um, you have this knack of being able to, I kind of guess, preempt what I might be thinking sometimes mm-hmm. I might it might be the, the next thing that I want to say to you about a situation and then you just turn mm-hmm. around and say it it's like you read you read the situation based on mm-hmm. just you know conversations we've had in the past and you kind of get to it's kind of it's like you've kind of known it's like ninjutsu. There's a, see, I'm, I'm taking it back to my to my martial arts and stuff. But there's, there's there's a form of ninjutsu where a ninja is able to yeah. copy their opponent and then preempt what their opponent is going to do. And it's kind of mm-hmm. like that technique. It's like mm-hmm. I know what you're about to say, <laughs> and then you say it. So yeah. that that quality and that mm-hmm. ability to motivate people to say, okay, I know what you're going to say. So I'm going to set, tell it to you, but how are you then going to make that happen? You kind of, mm-hmm. you kind of say, yeah, I'm going to validate, you know, well, not validate, but I'm going to confirm what you were thinking, but then I'm mm-hmm. going to put it back on you and, and, and encourage you to, to, you know, to then come up with how you're going to, how you're going to make that happen. And that is mm-hmm. a strength that not, you know, not many people have that. Not many people can read a situation and then, take it to the next step of saying, okay, cool. We're on the same page. Now what are you going to do about it? So that, that, mm-hmm. that's, that's a strength I see in you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say my strength. Then I explain kind of how I can do that or where they come from. But uh, so I think, and you talked about it too, and you said it a couple different time, different ways in, in kind of framework, but you are a natural like encourager. I would say that, uh, but it's different from just like the the flowery kind of like oh like this kind of it's it's more of a direct encouragement of like not this is where I see you at this is where I know you want to go so this is what I'm gonna say to get you going towards that. <laughs> so, so so it's a real practical encouragement that's what I can say. Um, but it's needed and, and like you were saying too it's kind of checking in with people and so it's like 
you know, just like yesterday or just like different points in the week, you know, it's like, hey, what's going on? Like, hey, you all right? Are you good? Or whatever like that. And so that's good. Like, even even if it's, um, like, even if I am doing good, it's cool. But it's just knowing that you got people around that want to make sure you're good and check in with you. Uh, and even if I wasn't good, you know, it wouldn't be like I'd be trying to hide it. <laughs> be like, you know, if I ain't good, I'd be looking like I, I ain't, yeah. ain't too good. Uh, and so that's, that's that's good when you got people that would check in with you. So like you do that well naturally, and a lot of people don't have that, or they don't use that for the for the right purposes. Because some right. people use that to manipulate. Right. And so, so it's like, right, so right. A lot of people don't use it for good. A lot of people use it for bad. Uh, so, so yeah. But to go back to what you were saying, as for like me anticipating, it's just uh, patterns. And so, a lot of just like what you were saying with your with the people on your team. Once I get to know somebody, I get to know they kind of rhythm and pattern right. of things. And so. But my step is because I'm in my head a lot, <laughs> I'm thinking about a lot of stuff, I can anticipate what people would think about in that situation once I have the information. So when I say stuff, it's like, in this situation, this is probably what you're thinking about. And so I say it <laughs> to, to confirm or deny. And right. once you like, you may say like, okay, cool, now this is the next step to that. So that's kind of where that it come from. So it's I funny. To, I learned. Yeah. So, so you know, you know what? I'm how I'm gonna describe it. Mm-hmm. It's discernment. It's discernment because, mm-hmm. and it and both of our gifts operate from a, from discernment, but from slightly di- in slightly different ways. And because I was gonna mm-hmm. say the the reason I am the way that I am is that. I may be doing what I'm doing and suddenly so you, someone will come to my head. You will come to my thoughts, mm-hmm. maybe someone else. And mm-hmm. this, and I just feel an urge to go and check in on that person. Mm-hmm. And I can mm-hmm. either, you know, be obedient and go and check in or yeah. I could be like, nah, 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 I'll do it later. And usually yeah. when I, when I'm like, Oh, I'll do it later. Then I hear from the person, they'll be like, Oh, this happened, and this, and then I'm like, Oh man, that's mm-hmm. why I was getting the urge to go and check in on mm-hmm. you. So mm-hmm. more frequently now, when it happens, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go check in on that person because mm-hmm. something, you know, I feel this I'm being led to go and check in on that person. And that yeah, it's kind of yeah, like yeah. the same with what you're saying, because when you say that you say it so that mm-hmm. it can be confirmed. It's mm-hmm. that discernment. God has given you that discernment. Okay, this is what mm-hmm. this person needs right now. And I'm telling mm-hmm. you in advance so that you can you can let them know <laughs> that they ain't yeah. going crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, nah, but I, I agree with that too because I've had that similar kind of pool too. So I do the same thing too as far as like checking in with people. People come to my mind and got to put place them on my heart like, I got a call, a, a yeah. text, or whatever. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know why. Then people, I, I come like, look, I don't know why. You just on my mind. I just, I yeah. had a call, I had a text. So, so yeah, yeah. All right, cool. So, um, second question they can ask themselves: How can God use my shortcomings 
to lead his people. So and it kind of it kind of go into who we're talking about. So you know, you talked about Moses a lot, you know, Saul, Paul, and all that kind of stuff. And and it kind of went so it went with the scripture that I had to put down at first Corinthians, uh, first chapter 27 through the 29th. Instead, God choo- chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose mm. things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. So the shortcomings of the things that we think that disqualify us is the reason why God chose us. <laughs> uh, so, okay, I just take me, for example. One of the things that I just really just, I, I'm going to be honest, I hated about myself was that I was nice. I hated being called nice. It was just like, man, why can't you be like everybody else? Like, we want everybody to be like, oh, he crazy. He punched folks in the face. Like, oh, oh he's nice. He's a nice guy. Whatever. Like, like, why can't you get there? Like, why gotta be the nice guy? Like, I for real like didn't like that for a, a long period of my life. Cause I was like, man, that's all people say. Like, oh, you're a nice person. But I, what it was was that niceness. I've learned can disarm, uh, I don't want to say aggressiveness, but it can, it, it can manage crisis situations. So it's really, God gave me that because it makes me able to be approachable to people and talk to them when situations that might arise, that they might be a little more elevated or angry or something, and how I approach people People don't feel threatened right. by me initially when I come in and conversate with them. And so I can bring people down. And versus if I came in too strong with people, then that would heighten how they feel. And so it, it really was something that I learned to use and utilize. And it wasn't a weakness. It's just I perceived it as weak. Compared to the people yeah. that I was, I was, I was seeing or how I was seeing other people conduct how they did. So. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Um, so I thought about this, and um, I guess we we've kind of we we touched on it um, a few times. Mm-hmm. So the things that I considered my shortcomings were my failings in certain areas of life. Uh, Whether it was poor business management in the past or um, just different things. Or maybe if I'd, if I felt that I made a bad decision as a parent. Um, Mm -hmm. Oh man, there was like, like a perfect example there was one time we was in Ikea with the kids mm-hmm. and we were looking at a sofa and my, my daughter was on the floor drawing and I didn't, I didn't see her behind me and I stepped on her hand with my Tim's on. 
Oh, that's a team. And oh man, dude, I thought I broke her fingers and I was yeah. heartbroken. And I was like, what kind of parent am I? And you know, um, and you know, she 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 doesn't even she doesn't even bug about that. But uh-huh. but um, you know, for me, I always look at the where I, I feel like I've dropped the ball and I immediately mm. disqualify myself and say, well, why would God want to use me? Well, why would God, well, well, look what I did here. But what I learned was that the things that God allows me to go through in life, each one of them, not only is it to keep me humble, mm-hmm. but it's also a learning curve to help me lead. So what I consider my are my weaknesses and my shortcomings, God eventually turns to into my strengths when it comes to leading other people. And um I guess my mom will say that she would say this that one of one of my um one of the criticisms my mum had of me when I was young was that, oh, you talk too much. You, t- you, you tell everybody everything. And, but my transparency was considered a, a shortcoming. But actually, my transparency is one of my strengths in leadership because I've learned to show that the people that I lead, that I am not perfect, that... I will make mistakes, but I'm mm-hmm. not afraid to tell you that I've made a mistake. I'm not afraid to stand up and own my mistakes. And if we can all stand up and own our mistakes, then we can do better. Mm-hmm. And it became a strength in leading others. So, mm-hmm. yeah, for me, it's, um, you know, stop looking at your shortcomings as things to hold you back, but look at how God can use those shortcomings to truly help you fulfill the purpose that he has, he has for your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. that. Yeah. That's a, yeah. I don't know what else to say about that one. <laughs> <laughs> but but, I, but I, one thing I wanted to say before we get out that one, but both of what, both of the things that we talked about was about perspective. As soon as our perspective changed about what we thought was our limitation, then it wasn't a limitation and it right. wasn't a weakness. But if you perceive it wrong or whatever you perceive in the wrong context, then it will be a limitation. A limitation of yeah, no, that's that's dope. That's dope. Okay. Um, so last one. Um, so last question they can ask themselves. If I'm a leader... Are my actions aligned to leading the people he has called me to lead? Mm. I don't know why I wrote all these. I don't know why I wrote these. <laughs> <laughs> you, you want me to go first? You want me to go first? No, I go, I go, I go, I go, I go, I go. So one thing, so for me, uh, it, it can sometimes be difficult to stay aligned uh, to lead the people that God has you to lead because you sometimes get detached from your the call that God gave you. 
So sometimes you get caught up in what you have to do instead of focusing on who you're doing it for. Right. And that would then pull you into, it's almost kind of like you go on autopilot. It's like, okay, this is what needs to be done. This is what I need to do. And you, just like you were saying earlier about Undercover Boss, it's, it's kind of that. It's how do we maintain or grow what we're doing, but separate from the people that's either doing it or who we're doing it for. Yeah. And that will pulls you out of alignment. And then you start to do things or start to watch stuff or do stuff that will then start to distance you further and further. So you're not growing either. It's just, just like with, you know, you take friends like a pastor. A pastor is only as effective as how much he's growing or he's grown. If he stops trying to inform himself or grow, the people he leads won't grow. The same thing for business. If you're in business, if you're not constantly trying to improve yourself, then the outcome is not going to improve for the people you lead or the people you want to serve. Right. The same thing for me teaching. I had to continuously learn new things or bring things into the classroom setting to give to my students, but I couldn't stop and be satisfied with what I knew up until the point that I had to teach them. As I'm teaching them, I still have to learn to teach them more effectively. So I'm refreshing what I know as I'm trying to give it to them. Right. And, and that's that's what we'll miss. And then it's all about the productivity and not the uh, experience of the day-to-day things that you need to do to help better yourself. No, that's good. That's good. Um, ooh, now you put the pressure on me. <laughs> you got it. You got it. You got it. You've been talking good all day today. So um, I'm going to draw from my, uh, my, exo- my, how do I put it? My biblical reference that I, I picked on. And, and, I'll, okay. and for this example, I have David. Mm-hmm. And um, so one thing that I'd say is this, and and, and I'll I'll first set the context. So actually, yeah, I'm going to do it the other way around. So I'm going to go to 1 Samuel 17, Mm -hmm. 45 to 47 first. And it says, uh, David replied to the Philistine, you come at me with with sword spare and javelin but i come i come to you in the name of the lord of heaven's armies the god of the armies of israel whom you have defied today the lord will conquer you and i will kill you and cut off your head and then i will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a god in israel and everyone assembled here will know that the lord rescues his his people but not with a sword and a spear, but um, this is the Lord's battle, and He will give you, He will give you to us. Um, so, and then I will step. So David had this. David had this view of himself. Um, what I wrote down was David saw himself as a giant killer, 
not because of his own abilities, but because of the God who rescues him. Mm-hmm. So when we consider ourselves to, as um, as the question says, leading, um, leading the people that we've been called to lead, we need to understand our purpose in leadership and who we are leading for. Uh-huh. And when we understand who we are leading for, we understand our source of strength. When we understand our source of strength, we have an understanding of where we are plugged into or where we are connected to. When we understand uh-huh. who we are connected to, we understand that the way that we perceive a situation or the way that the world perceives us as a leader is not the Mm -hmm. way that God perceives us as a leader. And that takes me back to my initial point, which was first Samuel 16, six and seven. And that's when Samuel selected, when God sent Samuel to anoint David. So Mm -hmm. it says um, when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So when you are in leadership, the first part you need to, the first thing you need to consider is your heart in leadership. Is your heart aligned to leading these people? Is your heart aligned to love? Is your heart aligned to justice? Is your heart aligned to compassion? Is your heart aligned to peace? Is your heart aligned to grace, mercy, and all the things that you are required to be as a leader? Because if it's not, then you are not called to leadership. You may look the part, you may be tall, you may be mm-hmm. built like mm-hmm. Hercules, you may mm-hmm. be um, an Adonis or whatever you want to call it. But the truth of the matter is that inside you are a frail, wimpy person because your heart lacks the character that God requires in a leader. Uh-huh. So if you can align your heart to God's view of leadership, then your leadership will be something to be written about irrespective of what you do. Because uh-huh. if we look at David's life, David messed up so many times. Um but in his leadership of the people. So David failed a lot in his personal life, Uh but in his leadership of the people, his heart was always aligned to God. His heart was always, God, how do you want me to lead this people? And he was Uh also very repentant in his personal life as well. Um, Again, Uh which just showed an alignment of his heart, seeking to come back to God and always make things right with God. Um, uh-huh. th- for me, it's the heart. If you're, if you ever fall out of, um, connection with God in your heart, then your leadership will go astray. Uh-huh. Nah, that was, 
That was good. Now nah, that's that's real good because it's you know that's kind of going when people say you have to have a heart for people. You do because yeah. it comes from that. It, it comes from that that mutual um, want to better people and see them be better. And that's really what anything that you create or you want to be head over, you should want the people that you serve to be the best that they can be. Yeah. And and all you're trying to do is put the parameters and the and construct what will help them get there. And depending on what role you have in leadership, you might have a small population of people to do that with, or you might have thousands, millions of people. Yeah. Uh, but it all starts from that. And so it goes right back to kind of the two examples we started with uh, at the beginning. You could see the heart in both of them examples. Well, yeah. you can see the heart and not see the heart. <laughs> so, that's what you So, whether you agree with the policies or not, you can't argue about the heart yeah. part. For sure. And, and, and I think that's so. How, how how are we on time? Oh, we 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 bang like right now, boom! Are we on it? Okay, I'm saying this one last thing. There it is. You go life. for it. All right. So this was something that uh, I so I said I was going to mention about Jeremiah, but this is going to be how I introduce him and close it out at the same time. So a lot of times with leadership, God calls us to say things that we don't want to say but it's necessary for the people that he is called us for. Uh, and so for me, I know it, it was some, and I was just walking around here like a week or so ago. I was like, Lord, like, I always feel like I'm talking to people about what they, you know, need to do or what will help better them, but they won't listen. <laughs> and then Lord was like, well, how do you think I feel? And I was like, Thank you, Lord. <laughs> I'll be quiet. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I just, I just had to say that because somebody will understand that. Uh, oh, I understand me, that. I understand <laughs> that. I was like, okay, Lord. I, I Okay. I see. I, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so they come with the territory. If, if the Lord can be for he can he can have grace with us with all the stuff he calls us to and we don't do and if we lead people and they don't respond to what we feel like he's giving us man it's just what he experienced with us every day yeah no that's that's wow that is man that's a powerful statement <laughs> that is a seriously powerful statement because yeah we don't a lot of the times we don't acknowledge that we don't Mm-mm. we it's it's what we always say on here that you know we get in our feelings we get in our uh-huh. feelings when people aren't doing certain things but yeah it comes back i always use this example when i talk about marriage and, mm-hmm. and men talk about well my wife isn't submitted to me yeah but mm-hmm. you ain't submitted to the lord uh-huh because the Bible says she should submit to you as you submit unto the Lord. Well, if you ain't submit to the Lord, why should she submit to you? Mm-hmm. And it's that same thing in every area of our lives. That it's like yep. God is God is speaking to you and, and you're not listening, but you're mad that 
the people that you're supposed <laughs> to be around. <laughs> so yeah, no, that's a powerful, powerful point. Yeah, I, I had to, I had to. It was the perfect way to close it, but I had to yeah, say that no, before we finished up. No, that's 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 awesome. This has been a really good conversation, and we we really hope. Um, this has been a blessing to 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 you guys that have been listening. Like we always say, we appreciate you um, mm-hmm. tuning in every week and um, yep. spending this time with us. Um, we enjoy putting these, you know, putting in the work and bringing this to you on a on a mm-hmm. weekly basis. Um, yeah. We hope you're enjoying the new format, um, and it for us has definitely given us. Um, mm-hmm a lot more um how do i put it it's it's really it's really made the conversation sharper for us yeah um so uh, you know like i said we're always transparent don't get me wrong mm-hmm. the conversations we had before were great um mm-hmm. but i think this has given it such a sharp focus it gives it so much more impact and allow and allows people to take a lot more home um mm-hmm. uh, very quickly so yeah 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 um so we're gonna do it like we normally do i'm gonna give you the socials um and then we're gonna close it out so um for me you can catch me on instagram at dy daily you can catch me on twitter at dy daily um you can catch me on the Daily Perspective podcast every Thursday at 9 a.m. GMT. Uh, you can catch me, catch us on Facebook, uh, Daily Perspective Network. Um, obviously, if you're watching this on YouTube, you already know where we are. Uh, so, and also on email me, david at dailyperspective.co.uk. Um, and yeah, keep checking the blogs. Something does pop up every, you know, be, be patient with me on that one on that uh, there's a lot of moving parts um, but yeah we're looking forward to all the different things that we're going to be bringing you in the future there's a lot on my mind about things that we, we'd like to do but um, as Terrence has, has, has put it I have to be obedient and listen to the voice of God sometimes I want to run before I'm supposed to walk so I'm going to stop talking about things that are coming in the future and wait to God, for God to make them manifest before I start talking about them. So be yeah. patient with me. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's 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 me for the socials. Yeah. So uh, you know, I will I will leave I will pick it back off of what David said. Be patient with me because I am. I said it last week that I was going to have all my stuff and I ain't got it yet. So I, <laughs> yeah. I apologize. I'm working on it. So uh, as of right now it's still uh, at our progress uh, well email info at info at our progress cc.com uh at our progress cc on instagram and facebook um and uh and so we'll we'll probably talk after we get off uh, about the upcoming like crossover episode um with our progress and imperfectly human again like i said if you didn't get to watch or listen to the one that we did last year, you need to be careful what you pray for. Was hey, it was it was great. It was yeah, a great it conversation. Was. It was. So definitely go back if you haven't watched or listened to that. And definitely go back and watch it or listen to it. But we will do another one of those soon. Uh, so we'll schedule that and let you know when that will be. 
Um, I have some things, but like David said, I'm not going to keep talking about stuff until it's done. So, amen. Uh, amen. Just know that when, when, the, when, the, when the Lord releases it and he say, go do it, then you will see it. But just yeah. know things in various stages of completion. Uh, and when they get to that point to be shared, then I share them. So, uh, yeah, that's it for you. So, so we're going to close this out like we always do and remind you that Christianity is a personal walk and relationship between you and God. You are not, will not, and never will be perfect, but that's okay. God loves you and wants you to come just as you are. His grace covers all. Live free from condemnation and do not crucify yourself. Be renewed by the grace of God through Christ Jesus and become who you were created to be. And uh, with that said, I am Mr. Daly signing off. And I'm Dr. Johnson. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Imperfectly Human. Peace. All right.